What up? Support for this podcast is always provided by RC Health Services. Go to the website, rchealthservices.com. RC Health Services offers the best in training and certifications in the medical industry. They are one of the best in the world at what they do. They offer several different uh, courses of training and certifications, so check it out. Go to the website, rchealthservices.com. Support is also continuously provided by my friends at Activated Muscles. The website is, of course, activatedmuscles.com. I just had a session with Raul yesterday. He's been helping me identify where fascia is in my body. He's been helping me get more limber, which makes me more mobile, which gives me more power potential. I don't care if you're an athlete or a non-athlete or someone just trying to walk better down the street because they're sore or maybe you're old and you have creaky bones. I don't know. Anybody can benefit from becoming more mobile and having more access to their body. Not only does it make you feel better, it makes your life better. So check them out. ActivatedMuscles.com. My friends, it is time for a JKL podcast nugget. Let's do it. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome into this JKL podcast nugget. It's a very cool November afternoon. I think it's like 45 degrees outside. It sucks. Um, I guess it doesn't suck if you love, you know, if you've been <laughs> keeping that fall attire in your closet all year and you're just so happy to whip it out. But I hate the cold, okay? I like throwing discus. I like being outside. And it's ideally awesome when it's not like 40-something degrees. I still go outside and do it. Uh, but, you know, I'm just whining. I'm just whining, so let me whine. Anyways, I'm sitting in my studio here, my awesome studio, otherwise known as my apartment. I'm actually sitting on my bed, hunched over <laughs> to the microphone <laughs> that is sitting on top of a stool, and uh, my dog Thaddeus is kind of laying down to my left, keeping me warm. So um, hopefully I've painted a really nice picture for you. I am wearing clothes, actually more clothes than usual when I'm in my apartment. I actually have pants on and socks and a shirt. Um yeah, so uh, <laughs> any other questions about my current situation, uh, I guess you can ask me on the Facebook messages. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I thought I'd just say, I'd say hi, drop in, say what's up to y'all, see what's going on. Actually, I can't do that because, you know, it's a podcast and I can just kind of talk at you. But hopefully, hopefully uh, I can give you something cool to listen to. I don't know. Thanks for thanks for listening. As always, I've been getting some more encouragement about my podcast. Um uh, it's it's still blowing my mind that people are enjoying the podcast and they're actually legitimately liking it and letting me know about it. Thanks a lot. Uh I've got some guests coming up. Uh I'm zeroing in on having a a podcast to sit down with uh, Houston area percussionist Luke Hubley. Uh he's got a really interesting journey that he's taken uh in fitness as well. Uh, mainly through his diet, and uh, it worked because you just look at him and it's like, whoa, all right, it's it's a night and day. So uh, he's got some interesting things that he did, uh, nothing too out of the ordinary, but I want to get him on just to kind of illuminate uh, what he did and uh, just kind of share, have him share his experience. Um, also, I'm zeroing in on a closing into a date. Uh, shout out to my boy Josh Teeman out in Lagrange, Texas. Uh, Josh is a good old friend of mine. He uh, 
he threw the discus and shot put, I believe. Mainly discus, mainly shot put. I'm not, I'm not sure. Sorry, Josh. He at least threw the discus uh, very well, very far for the Texas A&M Aggies. And uh, he did that when I was at U of H throwing. So we threw together a lot. We had some battles back in the day. And uh, similar to me, this guy is, uh, he's a, he threw a lot in college. He still throws, a, he still throws, he coaches a lot. Uh, he's a full-time fireman and EMT person and he also is very active in the music industry he's a country singer a kind of a solo act he sings all around uh, i guess central texas and some in houston i believe but i'm going to try to get out to where he lives in the grange uh get away from this houston smog and this uh traffic and go chill with him so uh, i'm not sure when that's going to happen but it's definitely going to happen uh josh can't wait to see you buddy hope you hear this uh, get get those fishing rods ready, man. I, I need to go get get some fishing in. Uh, anyways, that's what's coming up. Thanks again, for all of you, for your feedback on the re- most recent uh, Steve Stephen Martin episode. Uh, I've been getting some more way to goes for that, and thanks a lot. Stephen Martin is always a great guest. I'll probably have him on again. He might even become. He doesn't know this yet, but you know, maybe we can do some co-hosting episodes with Stephen Martin and I. And I'm going to try to talk John Calderon into doing another episode. Uh, he's he's agreed to it, but, you know, both of us had a few beers. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but I'm looking forward to making that happen. So, there is a future for this podcast, hopefully in the near future. Thanks a lot again for checking it out. What's on my mind? Well, let me just start off with something that happened very recently, maybe half an hour ago. I... Uh, you know, I, I, I've explained on this podcast before, I, you know, people know me as a pretty hardworking, passionate person. I'm not lazy, but I can be extremely lazy when it comes to things that involve not throwing the discus or playing trombone. <laughs> so I guess, I guess you can call me lazy. I, uh, you know, I'm one of those people who like never got a toll tag and I run a lot of tolls and I just pay up later. Um, and it kind of worked out because where I live in Houston, we live in the Harris County, and the Harris County Tollway Authority or Toll Road Authority, they kind of had a thing going like, hey, man, you didn't pay your tolls, and this is how much you owe, and it's like a million dollars, but hey, we'll cut the fees, and you can just pay whatever you owe plus like a one-time fee, so you're going to pay like you know, 40 bucks over what you owe, and I'm like, okay, let's do that, no problem, I'm a slacker, I'm lazy, but... Very recently, unknown to me and uh, maybe unknown to you, they have done away with that. So, you know, if, if you are a repeat violator on the tollway, <laughs> they're going to quit cutting you slack. So I, <laughs> I ran about, you know, 60 bucks worth of tolls in the past year or two, year, I think. And long story short, I got a notice in the mail saying that I owed 400 bucks to the tollway authority. <laughs> So, of course, I call like, hey, listen, hey, listen, I know I owe you some penalty for this, but 400 bucks on 50 bucks of tolls, that's a bit ridiculous. And you know what? It is. It is absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, blah, blah, blah for me, blah, blah, blah from them, blah, 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 blah for me, blah, blah, blah from them, so forth. It, it just came down to where I said, you know what? Give me a reduced fee and I'll pay it. And it and they knocked it down to $303. So $303 on a $50 to $60 tab of tolls. It's it's still ridiculous. But uh 
I just I I wanted to get it out of my life. So I guess I could have taken it to court or something like that. I don't know, but that would involve me going to court and having that extra baggage. So I bit the bullet. I paid the money. I paid three hundred and three dollars to resolve, you know, about fifty bucks in tolls. And I, of course, as you can imagine, I just started this fire inside of me of hate started growing, you know, and it's totally justified. It's completely justified. But <laughs> here's the bright side, okay? A, it is now out of my life. I don't got to worry about it. I don't have this like black mark on me from the county, which, you know, who knows if they would enforce anything, uh, you know, act upon it. But, you know, I, I have that out of my life now. Um, it is 300 bucks. It is unjust. That I had to pay that much money over what I owed. But it, from what I can tell, it had to happen. And I wasn't going to get a break. And I started to get mad about it. And right before I called up the Harris County Toll Road Authority, I had a great morning of training on throwing the discus. And I'm looking forward to uh, spending uh, some time, not too much time, but some time for the rest of the day uh, hanging out. And practicing some trombone, I haven't gotten some good. I haven't gotten good practice in a while. I've been gigging a lot, but I needed to sit down and just have some James time on the trombone. And I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to doing some work, maybe edit, editing this podcast. And I realized, you know what? I have every reason to be pissed about what just happened with the Toll Road Authority, or I can just forget about it. I can forget about it. It's out of my life. Is it worth? Is it worth killing the momentum of this day? Is it worth killing uh, the positive momentum I've been gaining um, with my training, with my music stuff? And, you know, it's inevitable. Some things in life kind of kill your momentum. Life happens. But am I going to let something like a toll, toll road citation ruin it for me? And I decided, you know what? No. Nah. I don't I don't make a lot of money, but I'm, I'm not going to let 300 bucks ruin what I've got going on right now. So... I was pretty happy that I was able to kind of, and I still am, it's kind of how I'm recording this podcast now, <laughs> otherwise I'd still, I'll still be sulking in a, in a cave of being utterly pissed off, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't like to be wasteful, I don't want to be wasteful, but you know, I think, I think, I also don't want to waste the opportunities, the minutes in the day worrying about this kind of bullshit, so here I am just making this podcast. I thought I'd share a little bit about that experience. Uh, you know, it's 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 not anything groundbreaking, but it's just what happened to me very recently. So I'm just giving you an update. I'm saying what's up. Um, what else is going on? You know what? I'll recall something I that happened last week. I I had a lesson with one of my students. It's a student where I go to their home, and it's this kid. He's a euphonium player. He's probably one of the the smartest kids I know. Uh, one of the smartest students I've ever taught. Um, smart. What do I mean by smart? Uh, there's probably a lot of definitions of smart, but you know, from what I determine to be smart is someone who just seems to be very aware, seems to have uh, an ability to really um, comprehend things at a high level. Somebody who really just has a high aptitude for mental agility, and that's what I think this kid has. So I'm giving him a lesson. Uh, he somehow it came up towards the end of the lesson that he wasn't doing well in school, and it 
this is not the first time I've heard about him not doing well in school. And even despite knowing that he tends to have trouble with school, I still think he's smart. I, I still think he's his 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 he's more smart than the average kid. And he then told me, or maybe his mother told me, that he's going to get evaluated to see if he has a learning disability. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, not not in terms of what the mother thinks about it or the, what the uh, the kid thinks about it, but just that somewhere in our system, it has been decided that he should be evaluated for a learning disability. May, okay, yeah, maybe he's having trouble, you know, existing in a system that caters to 80% of the students, which, I, you know, I understand, I respect that. But then do you have to take this smart kid and label him label him as having a disability? Or rather, how about just find ways to educate him better without calling him someone who's, you know, educationally disabled? That's ridiculous. This kid is brilliant. He's fucking brilliant. And it it's just it just I don't I can't say it angers me, but it kind of puts me in a state of like, what the hell, dude? Like, because okay, don't get me wrong. I understand that. The education system is not perfect, or the public education system at least. It's not perfect, and can it be perfect? Not really, because we have millions of millions of kids being educated simultaneously, and not everybody's the same. So in that regard, I understand that you have to find an educational model that caters to the majority as opposed to an individualized uh, situation. I, it sucks to say that. It's it's weird to say out loud, but it's kind of that's kind of the situation, isn't it? Because you are simultaneously trying to regulate how to educate <laughs> you know millions upon millions of people but so this kid is obviously kind of an outlier and uh if i were to kind of try to relate which i, I really can't because i wasn't as smart as he was growing up but i can kind of sympathize from my own experience i ever since i was in kindergarten ever since i was in kindergarten i just could not fathom the idea of how i would ever like school and I'm not saying this because I think this is a universal thing to think. I just think it's how I was seeing the situation. Uh, I fully respect and I've seen people who thrive in school and who thrive in life. And that's that's great for them. But for me, it was like, man, I don't, even if I try to thrive in this environment, I won't. I just, I, w- I wasn't making up my mind about it. I just kind of knew it. Like, ugh, it was very discouraging. Like, first of all, I remember, I remember distinctly in kindergarten, look, just sitting down on the floor you know, because we're all kind of huddled around the teacher and the teacher would teach us something or read to us or something. I'm sitting there Indian style and I'm just like looking at the carpet and then I look up at the clock and I'm like, I remember thinking this when I was a kid in kindergarten, like, holy shit, we're literally in this same place for seven hours a day. I cannot believe it. We just kind of sit here for seven hours a day and out of these seven hours, we're outside, uh, you know, maybe 30 minutes max. I remember thinking that like, I remember not. I remember just thinking like that's crazy. That was literally my only thought. And uh, you know, students now. A lot of the students that I teach, they have seven classes a day. Seven classes a day, and most of these classes have homework. So, <laughs> I mean, like, listen, I don't. I I don't know a great alternative to that. I don't. I, I'm not going to say that, but I'm just saying this is, it, it blows my mind the more I think about it. You have seven classes a day. Most of these classes have homework. How in the world do you, 
how in the world do you preach? How in the, how can you get retention from that? How do you? First of all, okay. First of all, the kids are in class every day, right? So do you really need to give a lot of homework? Right there, you see them every day. So that you you yeah. Anyways, um, so I you know I I guess I from that ex- from that instant instance I I guess I could say that I am outwardly a an advocate of block scheduling where you have a certain class every other day um where that that could free up some time in your in your life to to think to be mentally agile to to budget time to you know do things like that uh you know close as to how it is in college but nevertheless in my experience I from kindergarten through my last year in college I just never I never clicked well with being in an education setting uh, where we're all being just simultaneously educated. I just, I, I never clicked well with it. Even when I tried my best GPA in college ever was a 2.9. And (laughs) I know plenty of people smarter than me, but I'm not the dumbest guy. And I've known many dumb people to get amazing grades. And I never got amazing grades. And, and, and there, I'm sure there are plenty of people just like me. And this kid is, uh, the, the, my student that I'm talking about who started me on this idea, he's way smarter than I was when I was his age. He's just way smarter. And now this this, this brilliant kid is going to get assessed for a learning disability probably because some expert in some education system says he needs to. And it's like, dude, how about, I mean, I don't know. How about, raising the intellect of the students around him. How about, I don't know, don't just cater to the kid. I'm not saying that, but he, yeah, he borderline can't exist in the typical system because the typical system doesn't stimulate him. His brain needs something else. His brain needs brilliance to be stimulated. He can't just sit there and I I, I just, I kind of sympathize with this kid. You know, he needs more and I don't know how he's going to get that. I'm sure, you know, He's got very smart parents, so he, you know, I'm sure he'll be okay. But I, I, I'd hate for him to be discouraged uh, by himself. I, I, you know, I, I try to keep him. Um, I try to at least portray that I respect his intellect, and I, I hope that he stays engaged. He's going to be one of those kids that these successful kids that he's going to tell everybody, "Hey, man, when I was a kid, they tried to assess me for a learning disability." <laughs> I hope he tells that story while he's a CEO or a, a great scientist or a, a brilliant teacher of some sort or something like that. I don't know. But anyways, that's kind of an endless ramble I have about the education system. But whatever. That's that thought. I'll leave it there. What else? I'm just going off the top of my head here. Um, so as I was just doing the dishes, you know, I uh, <laughs> I was thinking about a student that I just took on. A kid who's uh, doing quite well. Just recently, he decided to kind of ramp up his efforts on the trombone, and he just got second chair in the region audition, and he's in a particularly rough region, so rough as in very competitive, so he's doing quite well, and in our lessons, I told him, like, dude, some things you're playing sound better than I can do. Of course, I coached him up to that point, so uh, I'll pat myself on the back on that, but <laughs> no, but he's got, a, he's got a good future ahead of him, and uh, I fully, I fully endorse you know, him going to study music if he wants to. Uh, he's a Korean kid, so I was very 
apprehensive to encourage him because I know what his parents might be thinking. You know, I have Korean parents and, uh, you know, <laughs> so I was very much, when I first took him on, very much prepared to talk him out of it. But it turns out his parents are very much on board too. And they're not all about him having to have success, but more about him pursuing something that he enjoys, that he loves, something that he can be passionate about and uh, pursue with vigor. And I was like in shock. I heard Korean parents talking like this for the first time <laughs> ever in my life. Don't get me wrong. My parents supported me. You know, they 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 drove me to lessons. They paid for the few lessons I had in high school. They they paid my fees to be a youth orchestra. But when it came time to like, hey, dad, mom, dad, I want to major in music. They were just like, what? <laughs> they didn't stop me from doing it, but they were just like, again, they were just like, what? And... Uh, Anyways, so this kid, he's doing well. We're playing every once in a while. And I started thinking about, you know, my responsibility is to try to encourage him to go to certain universities or mentalities, rather, going forward that might set him up for the music industry in the future. And, you know, when I was growing up, this is 2003 when I entered college, I it was my only goal. My only goal was to train to become an orchestral trombonist. And back in that time, it wasn't a safe thing to do, but it was very well accepted that you should do that. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of great experiences in music school. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about uh, how to be, you know, oops, that's my phone. I learned a lot about how to focus in. I learned a lot about the intensity it takes to get good. I learned a lot about accountability in your playing. And I learned a lot about orchestral music. And that's about it. And more and more, as I've I've I'm a musician more now and I, I freelance and I play a lot more gigs and I encounter a lot of brilliance with musicians that play all kinds of stuff. I, I wouldn't discourage a kid from pursuing orchestral performance, but I would definitely, definitely recommend that when they go to a college right out of high school, they need to go somewhere where when they're done with that degree or when they finish school, they still have options. That's that's what I would preach the most. I don't want, you know, I, I don't, I just, I'll go ahead and say it outwards, outwardly. Now, I, I don't think it's a good idea for someone to leave high school in this day and age, someone to leave high school and go to a college and purely study orchestral tromboning. And yes, I said tromboning. Uh, you're going to go to school and study 25 excerpts or how to play them better. Uh, you know, I think it's ideal to go to school, study trombone in general, study music in general, play your ass off. And then from there, you can kind of narrow down. But, uh, you know, I'm very grateful I'm incredibly grateful for the opportunities I have to play now. I play a, a, a crazy variety of music, uh, but I'm it's it's a little harder for me. I have to work at it a little extra hard. I have to. It's good. It's a good thing and a bad thing. Uh, there's a lot of situations that I come into where I'm not equipped, and I have to kind of go back to my apartment with my tail between my my legs, and then kind of work things out and go back to the gig, and hopefully I do well enough to continue. But I think it's a good time as an undergrad to go somewhere where you have a lot of stimuli. And yes, you might not be good at one particular thing, but there's no rush. You don't have to be the master of orchestral tromboning at the age of 22. 
when you're done with school. You don't. You just don't have to. It's it. You may want to, but you really don't have to. It's so early in your life. So I'm. You know. I. I, I would recommend for this kid, and I will. But for any guy, for any kid, or any students out there who want to pursue performances, I, I think you have to go to undergrad with this idea that when you finish undergrad, you still have a lot of options open artistically and also non-artistically. And that's that's not easy to say when you're a music teacher and you're trying to uh, teach music and trying to cultivate the next generation of musicians. And I, I really, I'm really clear about students. It's like, hey, listen, you, it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You don't just because you love it, just because you're passionate about it, doesn't mean that you have to. You absolutely must have to do it for money. And that's kind of a message I've been spreading a lot lately. It's like it doesn't mean you love it less if you don't do it for money. It doesn't mean you're less passionate if you don't do it for money. It doesn't mean you care about it any less. Uh, so these are the things I've been thinking about whenever I encounter kids who probably want to pursue music in college. It's like, hey, listen. Go to college, learn, enjoy it, but you got to put yourself in a position to have options when it's done. And that's not the position that I was in when I when I when I left school, and I'm having to fight an uphill battle. It's a beautiful uphill battle, but uh, I'm fighting a battle to to create options to to uh, to come through on dealing with options as opposed to you know having that head start when I came out of school. So. Uh, that'll be the conclusion of the rant today. Hopefully I'll be coming back at you soon with uh, another interview. You know, actually I might be coming back at you sooner with another JKL podcast nugget, but please look out for my interviews with Luke Hubley and Josh Tiemann. Those are the next guys that I have in mind coming up and maybe some surprise guests or visitors. Anyways, uh, thanks a lot for listening. If you have any comments about this podcast, be sure to leave a, a comment on this post. I'll probably post this on Facebook. And also, you know, shoot me a direct message. Let me know what you want, what you want to hear, what you think might be cool. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm all ears and eyes. So thanks a lot. Have a good day. Stay warm. And fuck the Harris County Toll Road Authority. Mm-hmm.